2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 10, which is page 1195 in the Church Bible. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, and that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Let's pray together. What is our only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. Father, this morning we acknowledge that our only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, our only hope, the only hope for our sinful, broken world is found in him. Father, the only hope for us individually is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, Father God, we pray that you would challenge us, that you would comfort us. Father, that you would open our eyes to more of the glory of Christ. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, my text this morning is 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. And Paul says there, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Well, as we've been hearing, today is Remembrance Sunday, the day when we remember those past and present who have made significant sacrifices for us sacrificing themselves to protect our freedom, to defend the nation, to defend our shared values. It's a day when we can bring to mind events and individuals, and it's a day that should spur us to thanksgiving, to give honor, to give recognition to such people. Remembering is an important aspect in the life of a nation. Remembering, to some degree, binds us together as a society. Remembering should make us thankful. It should make us humble. Remembering should help make us to be weighty people, not trite people, but weighty when we think upon things of such significance. And remembering helps us, so that's the aim at least, should help us to learn lessons from the past. Well, remembering is an important theme in the Bible. Again and again, God's people are called to remember, to remember who God is and what God has done. Remembering is a key theme in Old Testament worship. It's a key theme in New Testament worship as well. 2 Timothy 2 verse 8, our text this morning, Paul says there, 
Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is in prison. He's facing death. He's facing execution. And he's writing to his, to his uh, uh, young colleague, his young co-worker in the faith, the one he has mentored. He is writing to Timothy. And he writes to him particularly as a timid young pastor. Paul writes to instruct Timothy, to encourage Timothy, probably for one final time. And in his letter, Paul outlines to Timothy steps towards faithful and fruitful service for the Lord. How Timothy can stand firm in the face of everything that lies before him. Well, many of us this morning are not young, increasingly so, and uh, some of us are not timid. Many of us perhaps are. Not many of us have been given the responsibility, the heavy responsibility of shepherding. But there's wisdom in these verses for all of us, for this verse in particular, for all of us. There's wisdom, we'll see this morning, in how we can live for God's glory, pleasing to Him. There's wisdom here about how we, as God's people, can stand firm. We can stand firm in the faith. That's especially needed in these days, isn't it? When we see events unfolding around us, how can we stand firm for the Lord in the face of of such circumstances. Well, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you must remember Jesus Christ. And so we too must remember Jesus Christ. We must always keep our Lord Jesus Christ in mind. We, we need to let the Lord be constantly in our thoughts. Well, when the Bible talks about remembering, most frequently, it's not simply bringing, talking about bringing something or someone to mind. To remember in the Bible means to let a truth about a person or a, an event transform our thinking, transform our affections, and so to transform our actions. To remember means to act on or to act in accordance with what is being remembered. Well, it was our Sam's birthday fairly recently, and um, he was grateful that we had remembered his birthday. But by remembering his birthday, his aspiration wasn't simply that the fact of his birthday on a certain date came to mind. He was thankful that we had acted in line with that reality, that it, it was his birthday, that he got a card and a present and so on. And so biblically, remembering is to think, to bring something to mind, but it's also to be transformed by what we are brought to remember, to act in line with that reality. One commentator says this, this is what biblical remembering looks like, actively, earnestly, deliberately reflecting on God and thinking carefully about what he said and done. Rehearsing, recalling, relishing his story and our role in it. Thanking him, praising him for rescuing us and for giving us the gifts and opportunities we've had for success and service. Acknowledging who we are and whose we are. Remembering is deliberate attention. 
So that commentator is calling us to give time and effort to pondering, to thinking about, to meditating on the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done in our lives, what he's done for us on the cross. If we're going to live faithful lives for Christ, if we're going to live fruitful lives, fruitful Christian lives, we need to think frequently. We need to remember Christ frequently. Perhaps this morning some of us attempted to say, we're Christians, we, we don't forget the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think many of us know that, that often we do forget the Lord Jesus Christ in our day-to-day -day living even as God's people. We forget him in the sense that we often fail to act on or in accordance with the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We forget to let the truths about Christ transform us and shape our character and our conduct and our thinking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we might even confess that we live like practical atheists. The same commentator says, Forgetting doesn't take special effort. It just happens. It's our gravitational pull. If we don't attend to God's words and works, we lose our delight in them. We lose our way. We lose perspective. We forget who we are and whose we are. I guess many of us who are Christians this morning can relate to that. Times in our lives when we have forgotten, if not intellectually, we've forgotten to live out. We've forgotten to remember in that sense who Christ is and it's failed to affect our lives as it should. And of course, just in passing, this is true often of churches, not just individual Christians. In the book of Revelation, the Lord Jesus Christ tells John to write down uh, letters to the seven churches and to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, Christ tells John to write this. Yet I hold this against you. You have forgotten your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So the church in Ephesus was an orthodox church. It believed what it should have believed. It was an active church. But effectively, the church in Ephesus had forgotten the Lord Jesus Christ. It had forgotten their first love. Many so-called churches today have forgotten the biblical Lord Jesus Christ. They worship a Christ of their own invention, their own construction. But there's a temptation for us as Christians in what we might call theologically sound churches like this one to forget to live in light of who Jesus is. That he demands our obedience, he demands our love, he demands our zeal, our total commitment and so on. And so Paul writes to Timothy, and he writes to us this morning, remember Jesus Christ. Well, I've got five things, five brief things that we're to remember about Jesus Christ. Truths that should shape our thinking and our lives as we remember him. I'm not sure we'll get through them all. I'm aiming to finish the service around about 10.50, but we'll have a go and we'll see where we get through my uh, material. First of all then, we're to remember that Jesus is Savior. We're to remember that Jesus is... Oh, there we go. That's better. We're to remember that Jesus is Savior. Paul writes, 
remember Jesus. And we find this point in the name Jesus itself. Jesus means the Lord saves. The name Jesus sums up his mission. It's why Joseph was instructed to name Jesus, Jesus. In Matthew 1 verse 21, we read there that Joseph was to name Jesus, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, writes Paul in 1 Timothy 1. But the Lord Jesus Christ didn't come into the world simply to save sinners. He didn't come into the world simply to save sinners. He died on the cross. He gave his life on the cross to save sinners like you and me. We are to remember Jesus. And that's the wonder of the gospel. The wonder of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is that in our natural state, all of us here this morning, all of us are sinners. All of us are rebels against our God who has created us and provides for us and sustains us. We rebel against his commands. We rebel even against who he is. And the Bible makes it very plain that in that state, in our natural state of rebellion against our God, we're justly deserving of of eternal punishment, of judgment, of eternal death, of hell as that punishment that place is known and what's more we're powerless to do anything about it we're unable to do anything about our state we were unwilling to do anything about our state and yet in his great love for sinners like us the Lord Jesus Christ became a substitute he stood in our place The Lord Jesus Christ took on the wrath of God against the sins of his people on the cross. He did it for his people. He did it for his chosen people, for all who would put their trust in him. He did it so that we might be forgiven. We might be set free. We might be adopted into his family. The Lord Jesus Christ in his beauty, in his love, his grace, he was sinless. He was spotless. But he took our punishment that we might go free. At the end of this morning, we'll be singing some familiar words by the hymn writer Philip Bliss. Guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. We're to remember that Jesus is our Savior He saves his people from their sin, the penalty of sin, the power of sin. One day he will save us from the presence of sin. Can I ask us this morning, can I ask you this morning, have you forgotten that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? Maybe this morning you've come burdened by your sin. Maybe this morning you've committed a sin this week, sins this week for the umpteenth time. You're tempted to despair. You're tempted to think that the patience of the Lord must surely be nearing its end with you. You're tempted to think, in effect at least, that his sacrifice on the cross wasn't sufficient for all the sins that you keep on repeating. But Christ has dealt with it all. 
Christ has dealt with sin, the sin of his people, utterly and completely. And so if you're burdened by your sin this morning, come to him afresh. Come to him. Confess your sin to him. Leave it with him. He calls us to do so. We honor him when we bring our sin to him and we leave it with him. We dishonor him when we hold on to our sin and we believe that he couldn't possibly forgive it yet again. The German reformer Martin Luther, he talked about how the normal Christian life was a life of continual repentance. We fall, we confess, we repent in his strength. We fall again, we confess, we repent in his strength. And of course, as we grow as Christians, we, we pray that in God's power that we would sin less and fall less. But until we are in glory, the Christian life is a life of continuing, continual repentance. We fall, we confess, we repent in his strength. This morning, if that's you, seek his forgiveness. Bring him glory by bringing your sins to him and asking him to forgive them. Maybe there's someone here this morning who's yet to do that. They've not yet acknowledged to the Lord that they need his forgiveness, that so far in your lives you have led a life of rebellion, that you have lived for self and your values, not for the Lord. Then the Lord invites you this morning, come to him, confess your sin, trust the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he did on the cross, and you will be forgiven. The slate will be wiped clean. You'll be whiter than snow. So trust in Christ this morning. Trust in him. Maybe for others amongst us this morning, we've forgotten that Christ is the Savior who deserves and demands our gratitude and our worship and our love, which should flow from our hearts in response to all that he has done for us. Maybe some of us this morning have forgotten that in his death on the cross, we no longer belong to ourselves. We've been bought with a price. We belong to Christ and we are to live for him and for his glory in line with his word. Maybe this morning we need to repent of coldness or lack of zeal, our disobedience, our half-heartedness, but maybe our wrong priorities. If that describes you or me this morning, then where we are now, let's repent of our sin and remember that Jesus is our Savior and that he saves sins for our good and for his glory. So number one then, remember Jesus is Savior. Number two, remember Jesus is Messiah. Remember Jesus is Messiah or King. Paul writes, remember Jesus Christ. Remember King Jesus. That Jesus is God's Messiah. He's God's Christ. He's God's anointed King, not just over Israel, but over the whole of creation, over the whole of the world. Predicted in the Old Testament, seen and explained in the New Testament. That this morning, as we meet together, we need to remember Jesus Christ. He is King. He reigns. He rules. He's seated at the Father's right hand and he reigns over the church, universal, throughout the world. And he reigns over this local church as well. He reigns over all humanity, over all creation. 
Matthew 28, verse 18, the Lord Jesus Christ said there, after his resurrection from the dead, before his ascension, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In his ascension, as he, as he went into heaven, as he went into the presence of the ancient of days of the Father, that was his coronation. The king was being crowned. And so this morning, as we come together, all things are under his control. He is sovereign over all things. One of my favorite uh, preachers and theologians who died a few years ago, R.C. Sproul, he said there was not a maverick molecule in the universe. In other words, not one molecule is out of place. It is all under our Lord's control. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says that he's working out all things in conformity to the purpose of his will. Or to use the New Living uh, Translation version, he makes everything work out according to his plan. Every detail, every movement, every action, every thought, all these things are decreed as part of God's purposes. Even He even uses our follies and our sins in His purposes for us individually and nationally and internationally. We await the day when every knee will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. But even now, His enemies are being put under His feet. Christ is reigning. And I hope this morning that brings you some comfort as children, we, we have comfort when we are in the arms of a father who is loving and strong and wise, who's committed to our good. How much more comfort then should we have when we remember that we are in the arms of our shepherd king, the Lord Jesus Christ? One who is all wise, all strong, whose love is as high as the heavens or above the earth. The one who's all knowing, who sees the beginning from the end. Romans 8:28 and we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Perhaps you're here this morning and you have health concerns, family anxieties, challenges at work, financial problems. The Lord Jesus Christ reigns over them all. Whatever situation you're in, if you're trusting Christ, it's part, the circumstances are part of God's good, wise, loving purposes for you. He's using them to bring glory to himself and he's using them to make you more like Christ, to increase your trust and your assurance in him. Apparently, one time when, back to Martin Luther this morning, when the German reformer Martin Luther was especially depressed, his wife Katie dressed all in black. Luther noticed and asked if she were going to a funeral. And Katie replied, You were so despondent, I thought that God had died. Maybe you've been despondent this week. I know at times I've been tempted to be despondent. I look at the country and I feel like pulling my hair out. Look at the state of the West, of, of where, where we're at. Been looking at news in America, states that have voted to enshrine the right to abortion in their constitutions. We've had rallies in London, anti-Semitism, people in Gaza paying the price for warped worldviews. Temptation to be despondent. 
but the Lord Jesus Christ reigns over it all. He's bringing about his purposes. As a family, in the morning at the moment, we're looking at the book of Habakkuk. And in the Old Testament, the Lord uses wicked Babylon to bring about his purposes for Israel. Today, the Lord is using Sunak and Biden and Netanyahu and even Hamas for the good of his people. He's sovereign even over the acts of evil. Judgment will come for these acts of evil that we see played out before us. But the Lord is sovereign over them all and he uses them in his purposes. And this is our gospel then. Jesus reigns and we are to align our thinking. We're to remember that. We're to align our thinking to that reality. Jesus reigns. Submit to him. Seek forgiveness for your rebellion so far if you've yet to do that. Remember King Jesus. Finally then, you've been spared two points. It'll be a quick third point. Finally, Jesus is risen from the dead. The Apostle Paul writes, Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Remember Jesus is alive. And of course, this is a central doctrine of the faith. Without the resurrection, without the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, there'd be no hope of eternal life, no victory over sin, and we would have no friend or saviour in heaven. We'd have no friend or saviour who is with us by his spirit. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And here's the great confirmation of the truth of the Christian religion that Jesus is alive. When we're tempted to doubt the reality of our faith, let's remember the risen one. That greatest miracle of the Son of God being raised to life. If Jesus was still dead, if he'd not been raised from the dead, our faith would be a bogus faith. But he's not. He is alive. Well, today is a day when we think about death for obvious reasons. Recent estimates suggest that in the First World War, a total of 16.5 million soldiers and civilians were killed. Since World War II, 7,190 Britons have lost their lives in military operations. It is and should be a somber day, a day to give honor and to give thanks and to pay our respects. A day to think about also, though, our own mortality and that of our loved ones. We may not all be called to make the ultimate sacrifice, but we all face death. But Christ is alive. He is risen from the dead. And so one day, His people will rise too. He's the first fruits of the resurrection, of the new creation. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection to come. And so we need not fear death. When we die as God's people, our bodies will go into the grave and our souls will go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ and it will be glorious. But that's not the end of the story because at the end of history, our bodies will be raised new and glorified and sinless and ailment-free resurrection bodies which will be reunited with our souls and which will inhabit the renewed heavens and earth. Death is a painful, sad reality of this life, but it's not the end. For God's people, resurrection to eternal life is the end, is, 
is the glorious future that we look to. Romans 10 verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Finally then, just to skip right to the end. Remember, Jesus is good news. The Lord Jesus Christ is good news for everyone, every man, woman, boy, girl, young, old, black, white, rich, poor, joyful, sorrowful this morning. Good news is to be found in a man, in the God-man, in the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is not in a philosophy or a religion or a society or a church or a law code or in morality. The good news is found in a person, in the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. This was Paul's gospel, he said, and it's our good news as well. It's good news to grasp hold of, to rejoice in, to share Remember this morning, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us by the Spirit to remember him, not just to bring him to mind, that we might live our lives in accordance with the glorious truths and his glorious work. Glorify him and do good to us, we pray this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.